0: I remember telling my mum, oh, yeah, mum, I'm going to make a movie. And she's like, you know, gives me that look that she gave me when I was a teenager and I told her I wanted to be a singer in a band. Yep. And she looked at me with that that face of just shaking her head and she said to me, you can't sing. Like she was brutal. I was so <laughs> devastated at the time. But she gave me that and but she was right. She right. was totally right. I couldn't sing. And she did me a favour by, by um, delivering the truth at that time, but she gave me that same look when I said I'm going to make a movie and she said, darling, what makes you think, you know, you can make a movie, you haven't written anything, you haven't been to university, right. um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, good question, mum, but I don't know, I think I can and I'm going to go for it. There you go. So Turns out the you good can. thing I didn't listen to her on that occasion.
1: I'm Ren MacDonald and this is The Hope Initiative a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth, where I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hope Initiative. My name is Rin. Thanks for being here for this week's episode number 54 with that voice at the top, Lee Rogers. Lee and I started working together in March of this year. It's been a crazy year as I'm sure you all know but my time spent with Lee has been one of learning, of so much fun and I know that I'm going to love sharing this episode with you and listening back to it times in the future. Lee is a producer, film director, creative guy, and in this conversation we talk about how his life as a blank canvas has been painted in so many different ways by so many different people, but ultimately it comes down to what you want to do and what you want to create for your life. So without further ado, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome Lee Rogers onto The Hope Initiative. Enjoy. Lee Rogers, welcome to the Hope Initiative.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank you, thank you for yeah having having me in your house. We're we're recording today, and this has been a, a few months coming, a few months in the making. You you've remember?
0: been you've been chipping away for a while, haven't you?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. When when was the first time I messaged you? Do you remember? Uh, probably a year or two ago. I've given you shit about it. Yeah, not not quite a year, but just under. <laughs> I think I sent you a message on Facebook Messenger and you upon reflection politely declined and i never followed up and i probably should have
0: well i think i said yeah that sounds cool let's (laughs) come back to me in six months (laughs) or something like that it was like
1: in late november so yeah probably a busy time of the year for anyone okay um not least yourself so for anyone who doesn't know you do you mind just maybe sharing a bit about your life in three minutes or less i like to challenge people with that starting maybe with your earliest memory
0: earliest memory yeah wow um uh, that's tough i mean i don't know stealing five bucks out of my dad's wallet maybe (laughs) no no that's that's one of the earlier ones that always makes me laugh and you know back then you'd go out and buy like mixed lollies with it that was that that's what you needed money for um had these little cars we used to sort of um Coleroy Plateau. I was born in America, but only lived there a couple of weeks. And then I grew up um Coleroy on the northern beaches of um Sydney. Yeah. And um I remember my I had two older brothers and we used to have these little like cars that had a little cord that you'd pull through and they'd, you know, get a bit of energy, a bit of a charge, and they'd sort of race off yeah, right. in the distance. Uh I remember running them around. Oh wow, we've we've got, a a, got a, visitor. a a puppy that's come to visit us. Um and um close the door? Ah, uh, no, you can hang. Yeah. Uh yeah, racing those things around our room with my two brothers and I, that's a pretty early memory. Yeah. And um yeah. So just the two brothers? Two brothers, two older brothers? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um hey Kate, Do you want to it's grab it? the pup? Yeah. We're on. Oh, my God. This is Kate Sobrano. Hello. That's okay. No, no, no. You're okay. filming and everything. No, no, no. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> we're not yeah. Oh, I thought we were. <laughs> we're not filming, but we're recording. No, no, yeah. definitely recording. Yeah. Oh, this, this is my, it. i my, my, my speaker. So, okay. Sorry, guys. It's on, <laughs> it's on charge next to the um, TV out there, I think. Awesome. There you go. Look, you've just <laughs> had a cameo from Kate Sobrano, Rin. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 he can sit in there with a more on your feet. He's going to get moving my legs. Man. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, no, you better go. Cameo from Pluto, the pup, as well. I think it's next to the TV. No, we're all on. This is it, <laughs> mate. This is gold. You, I reckon, I'll yeah. edit that. This is no. This is podcast gold.
1: Podcast gold. Where were we? No, now I'm frazzled. Talking no. about
0: in in three years. Okay, yeah, so yeah. that was earliest memory. Yeah. But then tell me about your life. What
1: did you do other than that for fun growing up? What was your what was your life like maybe in in primary school, high school? Did you like to learn? Uh,
0: I was just uh, well, it was all about sport, really. I was just I was just uh, yeah, obsessed with sports. Like primary school, you know, cricket. I wanted to be a cricket player. Rugby. I wanted to be a rugby player. Um, tennis. I wanted to be a tennis player. You know, I just devoured all sports. Loved any sport, any opportunity, kicking the footy in the backyard, French cricket in the backyard, Mm. um, you know, hitting a tennis ball against a wall if you couldn't be doing the real thing. So, you know, surfing, sailing. I mean, I had, you know, really a very um, fortunate, blessed upbringing in Sydney. If you're an outdoors person or a sporty person living in Sydney and, um, you know, Dad was... In, in, interested in sports and things as well, and two brothers. So, you know, it was a, a, a great way to um, grow up. Lots of those opportunities, lots of great outdoor activities. and Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, I guess kind of middle-class, Sydney, sporty upbringing.
1: Were you any good at, at those sports? Were there, was there one maybe that stood out that you... Were-
0: I could have been a contender in. <laughs> no. Um, oh, Look, I was, you know... I guess I was good with ball sports, was fairly coordinated and, um, you know, played 5'8 in the rugby team or winger or fullback or inside centre. Um, and um, so that was rugby. You know, I was goal kicker for a while um, in, uh, in primary school. So, yeah, I was I was okay at that. And then, you know, tennis, you know, I like that. Cricket. Um I think in the last year of primary school I was opening batsman. Yeah like had a really good straight bat. I was really, you know, really good defensive batsman. Hardly ever scored any runs, but they couldn't get me out. Right. So, you know, that was um that was a bit of fun. So no, I don't think I was, you know, ever gonna be a world champion in, in um in anything. But, you know, I did okay and loved it. Sure. Yeah. So solid enough.
1: Yeah. What about then sort of coming out of high school? I know the line of work you're in now. Do you want to share with people? Because yeah. again, maybe not everyone listening to this will know who you are. But um, I'll give you a good intro. Pre pre-record that later Okay. stick that at the front. But okay. tell us about sort of what your sure. last or what your life has been like since high school.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess like lots of kids, I was clueless as to what to do after school. Um, I did finish high school, um, and you know. Did pretty badly, failed the HSC, mm-hmm. um, which was the high school s- school certificate. I think they call it something else now. Yeah. Um, you know, didn't really study very hard. Found it really like difficult. Just didn't didn't seem to have one of those memories that could just you know um, memorize stuff and regurgitate it for exams. Yeah. Like I just didn't didn't have a lot of interest in that, and didn't seem to have one of those you know great memories. Um and uh, so I guess I finished school thinking I was pretty dumb because by the traditional, you know, exams and testing that they do that just teaches you on, you know, being able to regurgitate information and those guys that kind of have great memories or photographic memories are deemed the smart ones, but right. it seems to miss the whole point because really what you should be learning about is how to apply what you're learning so it's of use to you in life. Um. And, uh, but at, at the time I kind of thought, okay, well, I'm pretty dumb. I failed those and whatever. And just thought, okay, well, I'm not going to go to uni, um, just go out and get a job, start working. So that's what I did.
1: Yeah. What was your first job?
0: Um, I did a bunch of like weekend jobs and stuff. Like when I was at school, you know, working in a surf shop on, on weekends and school holidays, sunshine surfing, um, Pittwater, Pittwater Road, Manly, North Stain in Sydney. Um, and that was pretty cool. You know, the waterworks, (laughs) collecting money for you know charity, and 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 at uh, with that organisation, you got a percentage of what you collected. Right. Um. Oh, you know, tried a whole bunch of different jobs. That was at school. When I left school, I did did a couple of months as in the sporting and toy department at David Jones. Um. Warringah Mall, which is in Sydney, which is, you know, sort of on the northern beaches, yep. near Manly. Uh, and then, just looking back, then, yeah, I ended up doing a pre-employment course at Sydney Technical College. It's basically for people who wanted to get an apprenticeship and do a trade but haven't been able to secure one yet or they weren't sure which trade was most suited to them. Mm-hmm. You'd do this pre-employment course for six months where you'd do, you know, a bit of bricklaying, a bit of electrical contracting, a bit of electronics, a bit of plumbing, a bit of carpentry, all of this stuff, and you'd work out, you know, what you're best at. Well, right. I'm not particularly handy, and it was pretty clear I was not interested in in any of them, <laughs> but I finished the six months um, because I guess part of it, mum and dad said, you know, you've got to get some kind of qualification. Mm. You've got to do something. You can't just you know go and travel or whatever sure and um so i did that and you know got lucky really it did it, it it started instilling a work ethic in me where even though you didn't want to go and do that you i kept turning up and yeah and i got through that and then i got lucky and got a job with a company as an electronics technician the trade was actually a radio fitter and mechanic right and um was with a company called Sydney Centre TV and they were based inside the Sydney Entertainment Centre in Sydney in Chinatown. So they did a lot of the closed circuit TV, they filmed the concerts, they sent the pictures to the screens, they filmed corporate events. Basically a a video production company based inside a big entertainment venue. Mm. So it was a lucky break because I got to learn a lot of different things about the business. Um, Cameras, lighting, you know, ccu operating sound all this sort of stuff and um and also got to see it was it was great for me because it introduced me to a whole load of different jobs Mm. that i would never even have conceived of before right and got to see what i was interested in what i was good at and um, yeah so i watched what the directors and the producers were doing and thought oh i'm really interested in that and Felt like I had um, a better skill set for that yeah, sure. than a lot of the other things. And there you go. That's that's how it started.
1: How it started. So it's fair to say then you had no interest or really any, any desire to do it beforehand. You sort of say there that it was a whole new world to you. You didn't even know it existed.
0: Didn't even know it existed. Right. Had never ever thought, oh, yeah, I want to be a director or this, that. It just wasn't even a – it was just like from another planet, that yep. job. Yep. Um I mean the school I went to wasn't a um an arts orientated school. I didn't even do art in yep. the HSC. Yep. Like that was something you could do, but art at that school was painting. Yeah. And I think they had the very start of photography classes. Mm. Um but yeah, I wasn't interested in drawing or painting. Wasn't interested in fine art. So yeah, literally didn't even
1: like, did you consider yourself to be a creative person back then? No. No? No. Not at all.
0: So I had a my older brother. It's, it's interesting because my older brother Jason is super creative and he drew and painted and did all those things mm. and was, you know, and to this day is a painter and artist and super clever. So I think part of it was probably looking at him and going, okay, well, that's an artist and, and I'm not that. Right. Um I've always been able to to talk and communicate and, um, you know, not that artists can't talk and communicate, but sure. I kind of thought, oh, well, you know, I could do something in sales, I can do, you know, blah. But I kind of thought, well, well, if you're not a great drawer or you're not, you know, singing or doing that, that that was my concept of the arts at the time. Yeah. The, the, I mean, it's a whole different era now where everyone's got cameras on their phones They've got audio recorders. They've got editing software on their phones. You know, everyone's a a kind of filmmaker or a content creator of sorts now. It's something you guys all grow up doing. Whereas most kids, when I grew up, didn't have a camera. You didn't have editing software. There was one TV in the house. There wasn't cable. There wasn't the internet. There wasn't any of these things. So when you would sit around, you know, when I was a teenager in, as a family, there'd be one TV and you'd there'd be three or four channels and you'd decide and usually as a family watch that show together and usually, quite often it was Happy Days, MASH, these iconic American or English TV shows yep. and it was a, like a, another world away. Sure. Whereas in this era right now, there's a global audience that any kid can tap into by creating their own content. Mm. So, like this podcast now, you've gone, hey, I'm going to become my own independent broadcaster mm-hmm. and create a podcast and, you know, get it out on the platforms and it goes all over the world. Mm. So it's a whole different mindset now, isn't it?
1: Totally. Yeah, yeah. So then you, going back, you're in that job, you sort of all of a sudden become aware of this world that's open to you. Now, my understanding is you sort of, one of the first things you did was create your own music video. Now, can you sort of explain that sort of process from working in the company that you were? Yep. And yeah, how that how that evolved. Because we haven't really touched on, you know, the last thirty years and I, I will mention at the start of the show, but you, you know, are a film producer, director, you've done so much stuff in the industry over decades. Your wife, Kate Sobrano, who is a, you know, queen of Australian music, absolutely incredibly talented and productive artist, you've helped her, through her throughout her career as well. That doesn't just happen, like, yeah, out of nowhere, which it almost sounds like it did in a sense, like you could have so easily not gone down this path.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, so I was a technician with that company, and back then only TV studios and production companies really had equipment mm. to, to film things with because the equipment was very expensive. Um, On the whole, there were some cameramen that owned their own cameras, um, but generally you kind of had to be in the business somehow to have access to that equipment. So there I was as a technician with that company and outside the, um, I guess, outside work hours initially, I just borrowed the company equipment and started making things. There was a guy, Steve Griffiths, who was an editor, and technical um, genius, really, at the company. And he and I worked together. I'd, you know, go and get the work. I'd kind of produce it, I guess. He and I would sort of shoot it and he'd edit it and we'd direct it together. Yeah. And yeah, that's how it started. I think I went to one of the first things was going to a mate who was a model and he had his portfolio in a book. And I'm like, hey, we could take all the photos of you and you know, put them onto videotape and then edit them into a music video of all your work. Yeah. I think that, and it was to a U2 song. His name was Stuart Darcy, and he's actually become one of the top surfboard shapers in the world, Stuart Darcy. He was a model at the time, and he was a mate, and he was a surf mate, and we made this music video for him, and um, that I think might have been the first, or one of the first. Then another early job I did was, this was this is pre-internet there's a teen girls magazine called dolly magazine yeah um they an enterprising producer started making a video magazine for dolly magazine so every month you know the magazine would come out this is a teen girl magazine and when they were doing the photo shoots we'd go along and we'd film the photo shoots and we'd Um, release a monthly vhs tape which was dolly video magazine (laughs) and um, i shot and edited and um, made some of those you know early very first episodes of dolly video magazine Mm. that was another thing um, um, i did and i was actually modeling part-time at the time so i was in some of those (laughs) as well so that's kind of how it started.
1: Did you ever put some of your, yourself, your own shots,
0: in, in the videos? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I was in some. Of them. Some of them, uh, another cameraman came along and shot me while I was being photographed for a story in Dolly Video Magazine. So yep. I, was doing, I was doing, you know, both at that point. So that was in the, you know, that's like in the mid-80s. Yeah. And they were the first few videos and then started, I mean, there was others, started... A lot of my mates skateboarded. We all skateboarded. That's how we got around. I yep. uh, started shooting skateboarding demonstrations and different stuff and that um, that ended up becoming a, a skateboarding doco, which Tony Hawk, you know, legendary skater Tony Hawk was in it. I did a quick interview with him and, and filmed him in Martin Place in Sydney. Wow. With Christian Hassoi and the other legendary Bones Brigade skaters who were doing a huge demo in Martin Place in Sydney, we shot that whole skate event. It was in 1988 on about five cameras in Sydney. Wow. Um, I uh, I directed that, and uh, my mate Steve he edited it. So just like just any opportunity nights, weekends we were just working kind of relentlessly. Yeah, we we're doing you know corporate stuff mostly during the day and then weekends and nights we were making just you know passion projects well that's how it started most of them were no budget stuff to to start with and then um you know music videos and
1: yeah there you go so you just created almost the opportunity yourself you didn't have anyone pick you and go here's this brilliant thing
0: yeah i didn't go to film school um which is how kind of which was the traditional Route for filmmakers, I guess at that time. Yeah. Well, there's probably a few different ways you you, you know, you might start an advertising agency. You might start in a TV studio, or you might start in the film business. Those were sort of the general ways you'd you'd get into the business. And then there was the poor cousin, which was the corporate video kind of world. <laughs> so I sort of prop. I, I started really in the corporate corporate video world. Yeah. Um. And in that music venue, doing some of the some of the multi camera coverage of those things sure and then but you know it was as I was doing that I sort of found I don't know I found that things went pretty well and I had some success yeah pretty quickly that I was kind of like oh yeah okay well that worked well you know I'll try the next thing and the next thing and got you know the projects got bigger and more ambitious mm. and it wasn't until that kind of started and i was like oh okay i kind of have a bit of a flair for that yeah seems to be kind of working so i'll keep going and then that eventually led to the thing of going oh, i wonder if i could write a story and like make a movie and i eventually did that and then you know the thing got well reviewed had a bidding war amongst distributors in australia yep. i played the lead so this movie, movie. Is, this movie is called Dust Off The Wings, yeah. which I'm yet to see, by the way. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Can't believe I'm sitting here having this interview and having not watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Do your research, uh, kids.
0: Yeah. So that – I mean, really, that was just another experiment. I, I literally – I wrote it with a friend. I played the lead. I directed it, produced it, and, um, uh, you know, we – finished it and screened it to distributors, had a bidding war, ended up getting released broadly in cinemas, like 52 cinemas nationally. We went to the Cannes Film Festival with it. You know, sold all over the world. (laughs) So it was kind of an outrageous experiment that far exceeded any expectations I had for it. And I guess that's, yeah, it's just sort of funny. Though I do remember a conversation, and I've, I've mentioned this before at some point, I remember telling my mum oh, yeah, Mum, I'm going to make a movie. And she's like, you know, gives me that look that she gave me when I was a teenager and I told her I wanted to be a singer in a band. Yep. And she looked at me with that, that face of just shaking her head and she said to me, you can't sing. Like, she was brutal. I was so <laughs> devastated at the time. But she gave me that – and but she was right. She right. was totally right. I couldn't sing. And she did me a favour by mm. – by um, delivering the truth at that time. But she gave me that same look when I said I'm going to make a movie. And she said, darling, what makes you think, you know, you can make a movie, you haven't written anything, you haven't been to university, right. um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, good question, mum. But I don't know, I think I can and I'm going to go for it. There you go. So it turns out good thing I didn't listen to her on that occasion.
1: Yeah, right. So on that movie and i mean we've worked together i know i didn't mention that at the start but we've worked together for the last 4 months which has been incredible i've really enjoyed it especially at the time that's been <laughs> pretty wild on the planet yeah global pandemic and yeah. lots of other things happening yeah. but um you've you've dropped in bits of gold and unfortunately i don't carry a microphone around with me that's on all the time you know a recorder because over over that you know 4 month period there'd be tens if not hundreds of hours of, of gold that we've, we've said. Maybe not all of it could be, <laughs> could be aired. <laughs> but no, nothing, nothing that bad. But essentially what you created was a life where you were able to go out and produce and then you were like requested as the go-to guy. And I want to talk a little bit about the, the movie Dust Off The Wings. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me the story about how you got the camera to film that and how that, that came to be? it was one of the first of its kind, right, that that film? Yeah,
0: it was. It was at the start of the digital revolution and uh, arguably the first of its kind, particularly in Australia. um, At the time, movies were shot on film, television was shot on film or video, Mm -hmm. um, but movies were shot on film. Movies weren't shot on digital. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a thing yet. The, the, the film world were really purists about it. You know, movies are shot on film, they're not shot on videotape. You know, it was really poo poo. Anyway, because of the experience I'd had in the video world, I was kind of um, um, up to speed with the latest developments in it, I guess, and I, I kind of had affinity for it. So when I heard that the first, I was wanting to make a movie, I'd, I'd written a script with another guy. Um, called Godspeed and I was trying to get that film up and running and funded and then when I heard about the first widescreen so 16 by 9 widescreen digital video camera that Sony had made I was like wow you know they want you to make movies on this you know that's where things are heading and I thought you know, why don't I just call up the product, the, the the sales guy from Sony and see if he'll lend me the camera and I can, you know, maybe do something with it. So um anyway, I called him up and I just said, Hey, I'm gonna make a movie on this camera. I hadn't written a script, you know, just said, I'm gonna make a movie, I wanna make a movie on your camera. Can you give me the camera so I can check it out and you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Yeah. So he gave me the camera, a monitor, and a tripod <laughs> for three months. Wow. And And how much was that camera worth? Probably a couple hundred grand. (laughs) Yeah. So suddenly I'm like, wow, the biggest barrier to making a movie is the price of film, processing and the cameras. So I'm like, wow, all of a sudden I got the most expensive component. Yeah. Unless it's a Hollywood film where the, you know, the actors, certain films, the actors cost a lot of money. But for, you know, an indie film, your biggest expense back then to making a movie was those things. Yeah. So I'm like, i got a camera. Okay. So I got together with a mate who's actually a chiropractor and we wrote a script in eight days around our apartments in Bondi, friends we knew, out-of-work actors we knew, just everyone we knew. We're like, okay, if anyone wants to be a part of it, they can. Yeah, We've got no money. We're just going to, you know, go for it. So we wrote this thing and um, I wasn't intending to play the lead role but once I started looking at the logistics of it and thinking, okay, well, any of the good actors, I need a decent actor in the in the lead. Well, I have to talk to their agent. Their agent's going to want money. There's going to be contracts. There's going to be legals. It's all going to, you know, it, it's not going to happen. Sure. And Kate, my wife, actually said, you should play the lead role. It's like, oh, God, really? Anyway, <laughs> so I eventually did. And we, I, th- I decided, okay, let's shoot for a weekend, mm. two days, and let's look at the footage and see if it's any good. And if it's any good, we'll continue. We did. We shot for a weekend. We looked at it and we went, wow, it looks okay. We went, okay, let's do another weekend. We did another weekend. We looked at it again and we went, you know, this could work. And I was like, okay, we're going to need about 30 grand to film the whole thing. Um, my mate, the chiropractor, sold his Mercedes <laughs> and that paid the 30 grand for us to then shoot about 12 days, pay for food, coffee. Pretty well everyone worked for free. We got most of the locations for free. It was really just hard costs, the actual digital tapes we had to pay for them yep. and um, food, coffee and, a, and the rental of some lights and bits and pieces and that's how we shot it. We managed to shoot it and, um, and then I brought in some uh, private investors to put up the money to finish the post yep. and um, all of that stuff. But that's how that made – look, I guess the – you know, it's a flawed film – but it's entertaining. I learn a lot. It was a great experiment. The biggest thing I learn out of it is just have a crack, you know. I could have just, had I pondered it too long and thought, oh, my God, I'm going to make a fool of myself and this isn't going to work and all of those other things, I would never have got it done. Mm. So the thing I learn is just, you know, throw yourself off the ledge. I had so many doubts about the whole thing. Could mm. I act Could I act and direct at the same time? Am I am I a good enough director? Can I write? I mean, you know, are we going to be able to finish it? Is anyone going to? There was just, it was just ridiculous. And the way we pulled it off and got the locations free and all that, nobody believed that it would end up being a movie. Mm. Everyone I spoke to, other than maybe about three people, said, "Well, that's not going to happen." Like they honestly just thought I was deluded, and that this was just like some deluded um, experiment. Yeah. So when I went to the Bondi Surf Club and said, "Can we borrow your rubber ducky? Because I want to go out the back and shoot some footage out the back," they're like, "Yeah, cool. You know, give us a slab of beer," and they gave us the rubber ducky for a day, and we went and shot the footage out the back of the back of the surf. When we were down in Bondi filming, you know, council people came along and said, oh, what are you doing? We're like, oh, yeah, we're just, you know, doing a little student thing. And they're like, yeah, okay. Because nobody was aware at that point that you could make a movie on a digital camera. Right. Because movie sets were like lots of people and lights and and a huge extravaganza. So it was, um, I had a lot of those conversations of, um, of, um, with people.
1: Yeah. How did you deal with that? you know doubt that people were putting into you. like were you just hell bent on getting it done or were you like whenever someone would communicate that to you get a bit uh uneasy
0: no i think um look initially uh, initially there was a lot of bluff i i wasn't sure it was going to work but once you once you get the train sort of rolling Mm. um you kind of get up a head of steam and and once people have put some invested some time and energy into it you then like okay wow i better follow through on this if i don't follow through and finish this thing um they're they're never gonna come and want to work with me again right you know what i mean like you there comes a responsibility with the help that you get from people and yeah once we'd gone a certain distance i was like okay i got to follow this through yeah yeah
1: huge that was probably the movie that I mean, you already had a pretty decent career before then, but that was the thing that sort of propelled you, would that be fair to say?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd had some, um, I don't know, about three or four number one um, music videos that I'd made that had gone number one. Yeah. And that then led to um, getting kind of offered big budget TV commercials to direct. Yeah. And I'd managed to um you know make a career out of that at the time and I was doing that um essentially full-time and then I and then I made the um the movie sort of I guess off the back of of that because I developed a network of people and I was able to go to um crew and editors and casting directors and other people and and have them help me with the movie so it was that it was those contacts and goodwill and momentum and friends and whatever then enabled me to make the movie
1: awesome so you then travel the world you've worked on a lot of in a lot of different places with a lot of different you know major companies and celebrities and all sorts of all sorts of things i've learned little bits and pieces of that mm. over the mm. over the time i feel like there's a bit of pressure on me here to produce say a a good quality podcast not from a production point of view but from a conversation but like I mentioned all of the stuff that we've talked about I know would be incredible but that pressure I think is really good gets you out of the comfort zone and you know you got to be able to push through that for you working around the world dealing with some really high profile people how did you deal with that pressure did you feel pressure
0: yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good question. I think I think everyone feels pressure when you're um, approaching, um, you know, a high profile project, or really any project. Even just sitting down with a person or doing a podcast, you do you feel pressure. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I think you know nerves and pressure. You know, as lots of performers say, you know, it it, it brings out the best in you. If, if there is no nerves or no pressure, it, it sort of usually means it doesn't count mm. and and that's a good thing. Whether you're an actor, whether you're a director um, or whatever you're doing, that that pressure should make you more alert and, and you just run with it. You use it in your performance if you're an actor, you know, if you're having a bad day or you've had an upset or you've had this or that. You use it in your performance. If you're a director same thing like like find a way of getting it on screen yeah like don't 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 avoid it just dive in and um i guess some of the i mean one of the one of the things about filmmaking that's interesting is that it is an expensive medium so often you know even on a commercial i've you know had commercial budgets of many hundreds thousands of dollars Mm. probably a million dollars um and you know it comes down to you there with an actor in a studio with a crew on the day, and you know you have got ten hours, and you've got to get it. So there, there is a lot of pressure, but I like the collaborative nature of it, where usually everyone else is feeling it as well, and you come together, and there's a common goal, and yeah, you just got to make it happen. I don't know. I don't. I don't really. Um, I don't really think about it too much other than you, you just, you're just in and you just find a way and you just communicate with people.
1: and um, People aren't that scary at the end of the day, right? Like- no,
0: that's right. Well, most of the when, – particularly when you're working with um, famous actors or celebrities or whatever, they're feeling the same way. Right. And so you just find a reality, find a common reality with them and um, once they trust you – I mean, it just comes down to a lot of common sense. That's what I've found. Like in life, if you, just, if you just use common sense and just appeal to the person's common sense, most of the time you can steer things where you want to go. It's all about gaining people's trust, isn't it? Mm. And um, being a good listener, whether you're an actor or whether you're a director or whether you're a podcaster, whether you're a salesman, whatever it is, if you actually genuinely listen to the person and respond appropriately, and ensure they know that you've heard them, yeah, and 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 you're real about it, it's just those, it's just the basics of communication. Um, I think are the are the most important skills there is on this planet. Doesn't matter what the job is, if you apply those you know, common sense basics, then you can find people, you can duplicate what they need and then you can deliver that for them Mm. in a way that also enables you to get what you need. Suddenly you, you sort of strip away all of the pressure and then they do something, they do the take, they do this, they do that, you go, thanks, okay, that was great. Why don't we try this on the next one and then you do another one and you go, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's cool. Okay, good. Well, look, let's – you know, that's that's my approach. It's really not very complicated. Right. And, and then I've just applied to every different facet of the business or whether it was a movie, whether it was an album, whether it was a commercial um, – I'm no expert in any of the departments. There's so many different specialised departments. Sure. And, um, yeah, and I just I just try to help get the best out of the different specialists in the different departments. Yep. I don't pretend to be better at any of them than they are. Sure. I just actually yeah, – I think that's what I love about it most. I really love working with people and I love helping them to get the best out of them. Mm. I get a real kick out of that and – there you go. So I guess whether I was filmmaking or probably wouldn't matter what I was doing, if I could do that and have that collaborative interaction, I mean I could be in the army and be doing that. Right. I guess it come I guess it comes down to kind of just leadership skills. Yep. Doesn't it? As I'm talking talking it through now. Yeah, yeah, sure. I kind of like I guess I like being a leader in. <laughs> I like steer I do like steering the ship. I hate it when people do a bad job of it. Sure. Like that really frustrates me. Right. So that's probably how it, how it happened. I just kind of like, oh, God, you know, I just have to jump in. I'm not a control freak, but I do – I don't like to see others treated badly. Mm. And so – You want them to be led well. I want them to be led well. Mm. So I think I've always been one to jump in when I see someone being led or treated badly. I'm I'm quick to jump in and calm things down and go, look, okay, guys, look, so what do you what do you want to do? Okay, why don't we try it this way? Yep. So I think that's how. That's probably how I ended up becoming a filmmaker and a director. It wasn't like, I'm going to be a director and I'm a storyteller and I'm I mean, it's fantastic. There are gifted storytellers and writers that that's how. They know early on and they're writing and they're doing this. That's how they get there. I'd love to say that's how I got there. That would be really cool. Right. But it just isn't. I got there by, I guess, being a natural leader type yep. and facilitating activities and projects and whatever. And it just happened that I wound up in that job, in that business, and they were the type of um, – leadership opportunities that presented themselves and I started doing it as I started doing it I was like oh wow this is great this is fun I feel really good I feel in sp- uh, you know excited and passionate about doing this and I seem to have a voice too I seem to have things that I want to communicate yeah oh maybe I do have a voice cuz when you first start writing or filmmaking you know you look at the greats you watch the great movies you watch Woody Allen and these other great writers and great directors and you're like oh I could never do that. (laughs) I'm not smart enough to do that. But at the end of the day, you do find you have a voice. It's just your voice. And you just have to find that voice and tell stories that mean something to you. And fortunately, I found I was okay at it and I've managed to survive and keep going, it keep going, doing it in one way or another.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. It's all right, mate. There you go, leading by example. so, for me, you've been quite a mentor in the past four months. I've learned a lot from you.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah. I think it would be fair to say, though, as well, I think I might have taught you a few things and helped you. It's been very, like, collaborative. Absolutely. In a sense, which has been great. Yeah. But for you, when you were starting, mm. I, I know, and what we've talked about in this conversation, is that it wasn't really a thing that you thought was even possible to you. So, it might not apply. But did you have any mentors, people that you looked up to, great directors? even people that you worked with that you learnt lots from that helped propel you?
0: Yeah, some, some great mentors along the way. There was a guy named Alan Coleman who was the, the main director at the company when I first started, when I was a technician. Yeah. And he was, a, he was English, but it, I guess he'd been living in Australia maybe 10 years, maybe maybe 15 or something. Anyway, he was a director. He d- directed the Young Doctors, which was a soap, and he directed other um, other stuff. Anyway, he was a quirky character, and you know, I watched him. I mean, initially, my job was really just to you know empty his ashtray and get him coffee. Right. Um, that was that was one of my main tasks when I started. So I got <laughs> to watch him in action, and yeah, he was an interesting character. One thing he'd do. Which the editor and the others would hate, and I always, you know, swore to myself I'd never do as a director. Was he'd click his fingers when he wanted, you know, he'd be with the editor there, and he'd like cut there, you know, <sighs> he'd click his fingers to the editor to say where to cut. Oh God! Anyway, that was that was uh, that was pretty funny, but yeah, he was a good guy, and um, yeah, there was him. Who else? My brother. I learn a lot from my brother, Jason Rogers is his name, and he's a, you know, he's been a gaffer and a cinematographer and a, you know, I mentioned him earlier. He's a, he's an artist. He's a painter. He's an all around clever guy, yeah. and he's still very successful. He works he's, uh, with a very successful director DP named Jeff Darling, yep. who's a you know international legend. And um, my brother Jay is kind of his right-hand man and gaffer and camera assistant and that kind of thing to this day. And they, you know, work on big jobs all over the world. Qantas commercials, uh, Barossa, South Australian Barossa commercial. And, um, yeah, so Jay, the first music videos I did, Jay and I worked together um, on those. And, yeah, I mean, you know, we've had the usual brother uh sort of relationship where you know (laughs) there's been ups and downs and some disagreements along the way but you know on the whole we love each other and we've we've done some great work together and i learn a lot Mm. uh, from him um other mentors
1: and like essentially what what role do you think it plays like how important is it because for you you didn't necessarily start thinking that you needed or even wanted to get into that and these mentors maybe came out of the woodwork the first guy you mentioned there worked at the company you're at yeah for me you've been a mentor that has sort of just naturally occurred as well but how important do you think it is like do you think you would have gotten to where you are without
0: these sorts of people in your life um probably not i think it's i mean this business is as i've mentioned earlier really collaborative it's not you can be a painter and it can just be you and the canvas and it's a lonely Mm. thing to do but filmmaking you know you need a small army really well these days with digital gear you can do it with less but um yeah you need a bunch of people and so without that collaboration it wouldn't happen i mean i think you find i I think in life i've learned that you find mentors in unlikely places like when i look at it i you know I didn't have a I didn't go to film school, I didn't have a teacher at school, I didn't have I didn't do art at school. Like I haven't I didn't have at any schooling stages have mentors, but I've had people who I've collaborated with and worked along the way um, who have yeah who I've learned from. Yep. And and even you know from others outside the business. You know, my parents and you know various people you come across. You just learn little Bits of wisdom along the way, don't you, mm. that have a real huge impact on you? Like, one of the beautiful things I remember from my father was about loyalty. He was like, Well, if somebody helps you, have a very long memory, never forget them. Mm. Um, things like that. And look, I'm not perfect. I've, you know, probably not always applied that, but I've tried to. And it's that quality that enables you to have a career because there's intense ups and downs, highs and lows, times where you can't get arrested and you think, okay, it's all over. What am I going to do now? (laughs) And it's somebody who you were kind to or you looked after or you helped out or whatever and suddenly, you know, they come and help you and suddenly offer you a job or something comes up. So... I think I've had many different great mentors over the years, but lots of not one single teacher or something like that. Does that right. make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. They're everywhere. Right. They're, mentors they're, they're, they're everywhere.
0: Exactly, they're everywhere in life. So you just have to – I mean, you've got to be kind of curious, don't you? You've got to be looking. Hmm. I guess I'm looking all the time. I don't – even now, I don't – like I don't feel – I don't even know if you ever get to a point where you feel smart on this planet. There's so many, you know, confusing facets to an existence on this planet, isn't there? I don't know how anyone gets to a point where they're like, yeah, I'm really fucking smart.
1: And actually are. Yeah. You'd be completely ignorant probably and think that. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Because, and I think, and, and certainly with filmmaking, there's a lot of moving parts. It is... It, there's a, there's a complexity to it to do really good work. Mm. You can pump out work, but to do really really good work, particularly movies, there's 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 a lot of a lot of elements that need to come together and come to the boil at the right time to yeah. deliver a great movie and that's really hard to do. Sure. But yeah, I mean, yeah, no it's it's an interesting thing. Anyway, the point is you need to stay curious and be learning all the time and but I guess that's what's cool about it because you never get bored with it either. It's not something you can master. It's like when I did something like water skiing out of a lot of the sports I did, I got kind of bored with pretty quickly right? because it was kind of pretty – didn't take long to do it and you got up and you're on the water and, yeah, you can you know jump over the wake and maybe you can do a flip here and do that. But there wasn't a lot of variety to it. Right. Like you could do it pretty quickly. I got bored with it. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I don't need to do that again. <laughs> Whereas filmmaking – you never get bored with that. Storytelling, you never get bored with that because there's an infinite number of possibilities. Right. And yeah, there you go. Awesome. <laughs> really, really good stuff. I've got a few more questions I was going to say. But thank okay. you for sharing all of that. I think
1: it's, it's important because I think if you had to ask me personally maybe two years ago before I started podcasting and it was something that I wanted to do for a while – I didn't really know where to start and it was an email and I've mentioned this guy on this podcast many times and I've mentioned him to you but Seth Godin, he has a podcasting course that I did but if that email hadn't arrived and I'm pretty sure one would have arrived maybe a year prior to that or nine, six months prior because I missed it and I did the second sort of edition of that course that ran and it was life changing and all the people that I met on that course, some of which I've I've been lucky enough to interview via Zoom on, on this podcast but... The mentors like you just saying it there yeah it's inspiration it's it's everywhere my 13 year old sister now you know i i I interviewed her as the second guest for this she inspires me you know to keep going and i think it's it's really cool
0: that's cool yeah i am just it occurred to me uh, as you were telling me thank you for sharing you're welcome um that that my my um my wife and my daughter they're they mentors as well. Right. Like my wife is she's she's wonderful at at, at seeing the being that is there, mm. of like stripping away the social veneer and seeing who is really there and what they have to say and what their potential is. Right. She's really great at spotting that and yep. validating that in a person. Yep. So, you know, I've been extremely fortunate to have her as my partner for nearly 30 years. Yeah. And she's very supportive of me. Yeah. So she, in fact, as I think about it, has probably been, um, you know, my greatest mentor. And even my daughter now, you know, as a parent, you know, you want to set a good example for your kid. And, yeah, I'm working on another movie now. I mean, I've been busy doing lots of different things over the years. But... She said to me, because she's seen that it's, it's a little R-rated, the movie Dust Off The Wings. <laughs> she's seen the trailer and she was like, oh, my God. Um, she's, not she, like, she's 16. She hasn't seen the movie. She's not old enough to see the movie yet. <laughs> I think she's going to have to be about 50 before I'll let her see it. <laughs> You'll uh, be so, dead by then. Yeah, yeah, Fuck. that's right. <laughs> no, no. no, no she's, <laughs> but, um, yeah, she's like, oh, Dad, make another movie. I want to see, you know, I want to see another movie. I want to see a movie that I can see. Right, <laughs> and I'm like, because I'm, you know, we try and instill in here, in her, the concept that, you know, she should go for her dreams, mm. and think big. When she says to me, "Okay, we'll do another movie," I'm like, "Well, okay, I better show her that, uh, you know, you can do it." So, anyway, yeah, I've got a couple of projects that funnily enough, are, are heating up right now. Yeah, One of them's looking um, like it might come off. And um, Nice. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, mentors are, are everywhere, aren't they? They
1: yeah. yeah. Nice one, mate. So, yeah, a few more questions before we stop this sure. recording. Yep, Thank no you for making the time. <laughs> That's okay. Finding pleasure. the time to sit down with me and do this. <laughs> um, so the reason why I started this podcast, learning a lot from high-profile people, listening to other podcasts like Tim Ferriss show, Joe Rogan, certain certain ones like that and they ask high profile people what advice would they give. Now you're pretty high profile in the sense of what you've managed to do in your life, but it's interesting in working with you for the last, you know, 4 months you're quite humble, but the way you approach things with people in terms of, you know, you say work is quite collaborative. I, I say that you, your exchange with others is just fully there. Like it's an exchange in abundance. You, you know, if someone was to pay $50 for your service, you give $500 of value. Like it's just 10x, 100x. It's, it's really incredible. So where do you find the motivation for that? Say you wake up in the morning. What, what motivates you to, to operate at that level?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. It's probably a couple of things there. One, as a professional, um, I find if you always deliver more than is expected, then people will want you back. Mm-hmm. You get repeat business. So professionally, that's probably been probably the key to my success mm. professionally, uh, sustaining um, you know probably thirty five plus years as a well certainly, Certainly 30 years as a freelancer, as a, as a director has been sustained by that. Yeah. I guess I've done a good enough job as well. You've got to, you know, deliver. But if you deliver more than, it's, than is expected, people definitely go, yeah, well, that was a good experience and, you know, they ask you back. So there's that and then I guess also at my core I'm kind of a um, tenacious individual if I'm on something, I just, like, I'm just at it and at it. I mean, my parents used to say when I was a kid I was just a nightmare because if I wanted a toy or I wanted <laughs> some new sneakers, I wanted this, I'd kind of come to them and I'd go, oh, I want these. And they'd go, well, no, we're not getting them now, blah, blah, blah. And I'd I'd go, oh, okay. And then I'd come back the next day from another angle and I'd just keep coming and I'd just keep chipping away. I'd never stop until I got it. <laughs> so I think that's probably, probably a good... Uh, quality to have in any business mm. i i just i'm not i don't really like small talk mm. i did i made a concerted choice i remember when i made the first movie i'd written the first one and i'd got to the point where i was sick of talking about making the movie i was just like oh my god if i hear myself like talk about making a movie again over coffee Oh, shoot me. So that's kind of what happened. When I heard about the first digital widescreen camera, I'm like, okay, great. I can get the camera and I can go and make a movie. I don't have to talk about making a movie. We just go and make one. So I don't don't like sitting around mindless chit-chat. I really like getting products and getting things done and being productive. That's the feeling that I love. And so I think that's the, that's the thing that's worked for me. I just get up. As soon as I wake up, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go and do blah and I want to do blah and I do blah, blah, blah. I'm just like outflowing and creating on all the different things and activities and just go for it until I run out of steam at the end of the day. Obviously, you've got to juggle the balls of parenthood and all these other things. Yeah. But I just love that feeling when you get to the end of the day and you're like, okay, i got a lot done. I'm so excited to go to sleep <laughs> and, and, and relax for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does that answer the question? Yeah. I mean. Motivates you. Yeah, it's motivating me listening to that.
1: Yeah. that yeah, That's, yeah.
0: that's kind of what I'm like. I just, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not a fan about talking about doing things so much. Obviously you got to do pre-production and preparation and work out a whole strategy for something when you particularly when you're spending a lot of money sure but i'd much rather just jump in and have a crack at something that's probably the the best bit of advice i have i'm uh, you know theory is overrated practical is where it's at Hmm. just get amongst it have a go get your hands on the gear go and make some stuff write some stuff whatever it is you want to do don't sit around endlessly talking about it because you'll lose your mojo and you'll talk yourself out of it and you'll come up with a million and one reasons why it's never going to work and it's not going to work and it's a waste of time psycho babble avoid that get busy get started
1: love it so the final question i like to end on is what advice would you give to your 20 year old self that was some really good advice do you reckon you'd give that to your twenty-year-old self, or would you maybe tell him, tell him something else?
0: Well, long pause. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just so many things you're clueless about at that age, mm. like about you know twenty things just went through my mind that I that I wished I knew then. I mean that that's one of them. I guess what comes back of that is discovering what your innate purpose is. Mm. So whatever that thing is that gets you excited, that gets you up jumping out of bed in the morning, excited to do it, gives you that feeling of relentless energy towards a given course or activity. Whatever that is, discover what that thing is and then get really, really good at it and make a career out of it, and then you're going to be a happy man. Great stuff.
1: Before we go, Lee, can you tell me what you're working on now, if there's anything to come from you? I mean, you just said you're producing a movie at the moment, but um, maybe there's some other stuff that people might Ye- find of interest.
0: Yep, sure. Uh, that movie, that particular movie I'm directing, I'm, I'm not producing that one, um, that's in development now, but we've had a couple of... Um, Sort of doors open there, so that's looking promising. Uh, to shoot that next year, nice. Um, just had a call from Michael Godinski, the the Aussie music guru, uh, about an exciting project that we might have to shoot next week. Wow! And um, so I would, you know, I guess direct and produce that, and that's with with my wife Kate, who her and I. Are Kind of part of a management team. Yeah, Kate Sobrano Productions, <laughs> uh, the Vortex of, the, in, in <laughs> the Kate Sobrano Vortex, exactly. So I'm always, uh, you know, working on things with her. We're also we're recording a, a new album for Kate, yep. which I'm EPing or, you know, executively producing with her. That's recording this month, and that'll be out later in the year. Yep. And I'm shooting all the behind the scenes stuff and making all the videos and the, you know, the the press kit and all of that. My life is in a, a never ending state of projects with my relentlessly busy wife. Yeah. So I'm always, you know, trying to keep up with her and capture everything and convert it into um, marketing materials and and help her to. Um, continue to you know deliver her art and things out to the world. What else are we working on? You and I are working on some cool stuff. We are. We're actually working on a very cool podcast <laughs> called that? The Blank Canvas. There you go. And it's going to be coming out around the time this episode is coming out on the Hope Initiative. So there's a pretty cool synchronicity happening there yep. and I must validate you on you've actually mentored me on the podcast once we started working together I really came to love the podcast as a medium mm. I'd listened to various podcasts over the years but I've been more listening to audio books right. rather than podcasts you know I go for a drive down to the beach for a surf I listen to audio books but since we hooked up I've started listening to podcasts and I got really excited about them And just thought, wow, this is just a fantastic new medium where there is no gatekeepers. Right. People can talk to anyone. And I found it really inspiring because there's no editing, there's no gatekeepers going on. It's just people going, hey, I want to talk to this person. And they talk to them. And I've learned a lot and got really excited about that. So I'm particularly excited about what, what we have coming. And I've got some incredible guests Already on board yeah. for the podcast, and David Bromley, the iconic Australian uh, artist, painter, sculptor. Um, he's the very first guest. The other guests haven't been announced, but uh, late July, look out for that, ladies and gentlemen. The yeah. Blank Canvas Podcast.
1: It'll be the Monday com. after this one is out. Sorry, yeah. yeah. So, so, um,
0: so that's cool, and yeah, we're working on some some really cool content for a, a Melbourne-based property company uh called wealth for life and you and i've been making webinars live webinars every week (laughs) for months now haven't we we have delivering some some great information out there for people essentially talking about property investment and um you know as a as a vehicle for for helping others and getting their finances in good shape and um Yeah, we've been working on that, and oh, there's just never-ending possibilities. Do you have time to eat? Do you have time to wash your hands and stay Uh, clean? It's just go, go,
1: go with you, mate.
0: Yeah, no, Well, look, I like – I mean, I get up early. There's another thing, actually, talking of, uh, like, successful actions or advice. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm up somewhere between 5 and 5.30 pretty well every morning unless I'm out really late, and so I just get that. I just love that two or three hours in the morning where there's – no distractions, you mm. can do whatever emails you want, you can eat something, you can exercise. I exercise every day,
1: Yeah.
0: even if it's 15 minutes, just some kind of exercise every day. But yeah, get up early and just get a heap of things done and then 8, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever, things come around, meetings or whatever, you're just so on top of things, Right. you're just all over it. Like I hate that catch-up thing of where you just, oh my God, I got to the end of the day and I didn't do the things that I promised I was going to do. Yeah, It's like just just always on top of things, then you don't drop balls and you're in a position to take real responsibility for whatever project you're on.
1: Yep.
0: So there's no drop balls. I like when I'm on a job, when I'm on a shoot, the magic words I love hearing are when people go, oh, my God, I can't believe how smooth things are going on this job. God, this is just amazing, as though it's just, you know, some miraculous accident. Yeah. Magic. Love love hearing that. Great. There you go, mate.
1: There you go. Anything else before we go? We've we have covered quite a lot there. I really appreciate your time, but
0: I've enjoyed this, mate. And and it's yeah. it's it's really it has genuinely felt like just having a, a laid back conversation with you. Yeah. Which which is great. So Originally, I was like, okay, mate, 40 minutes tops. (laughs) Before we started this, I was like, okay, 40 minutes tops. I'm not doing an hour. Because we do talk a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And here we are. We're like... Hour and five. We're an hour and five. Ah, that's funny. So, good on you. Thanks for having me on. And actually, I really love the HOPE initiative. I think it's very cool what you've been doing. Cheers, mate. And, um, you know, keep going. I look forward to um, watching your expansion and... I'm sure there's huge things in store for you, so keep going. Ace, <laughs> mate. Okay. Leave it there. Yep. Pleasure. Good on you.
1: And so there you have it, episode 54 with the brilliant, kind, one of the kindest people I've ever met, Lee Rogers. Thank you again to Lee for finally taking time after I originally sent that message to you back in November, but no, mate. All jokes aside, it was awesome to to capture that one of our many conversations uh, on, you know, on record there. But um, yeah, if you guys enjoyed that, if you have any questions for, for Lee or myself, getting get in touch, all our contact details in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode as well, please share it with a friend, family member on your socials. It's really how I want this podcast to grow. And you know for me it just validates the work that i've been doing with this whilst it's a slow burn it's drip by drip you've got to do that so you've got to just start that project start something that has been on the you know the tip of your tongue the back of your mind whatever you want to phrase it just get started because things will change quicker than you realize if you put in the time so yeah thanks again for listening and you know the score until next time all the very best